Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Day Stevens Podcast. This is uh, episode number 154, dedicated to a man who on November 23rd, 1988, scored his 600th goal, Mr. Wayne Gretzky. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading another episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we talk a little bit about a relocation of the NCAA tournament. There's a team in the NFL that deserves a lot more attention than they have been getting. And what happened before the Florida State Clemson football game was canceled? But first, the wait for many of us that are college basketball fans is over. The season starts in just a couple days on the 25th of November. And side note, scheduling note, this week there will be no episode on Thursday. However, it will be on Wednesday. Myself and Cody Gwynn will be here on Wednesday previewing the college basketball season. So no episode Thursday. The episode will be Wednesday, the Wednesday for the midweek. All about college basketball, baby. The season starts on Wednesday. A lot of your teams in the AP Top 25 will be playing. Kentucky plays Moorhead State. North Carolina plays Charleston, UCLA plays San Diego State, Tennessee plays Charlotte, Texas plays UT Rio Grande Valley, that's a mouthful right there, Texas Tech plays Northwestern State, Virginia plays St. Peter's, Villanova plays Boston College, so on and so forth. There's one ranked matchup, Arizona State plays Baylor at 9.30 Eastern Standard Time. For some reason, it's a little insight to Jay. Last year and the year before and the year before that, the past couple of years, my desire to watch college basketball has gone down, has gotten diminished, and I don't know if it's because of the one and done that has taken over college basketball. Now I do know that there have been a lot of teams. Virginia won the national championship with a junior and senior or a veteran team veteran roster that they had that season. So I do know that one and done is not getting all the attention, there are still some of those older guys, those older athletes, those three- and four-year players in the the program that are still there in their school. But I don't know for some reason, just going to be completely honest with you, last year, the year before, Jay didn't watch much college basketball. Now, I do know last year it was because North Carolina was not that good. They were atrocious. They were bad. I mean, they they were embarrassing to watch. So I'll turn on the game, turn on college basketball. North Carolina's on. UNC is playing basketball, and I look, the Tar Heels are up by 10. All right, cool. I'm going to sit back, get my little drink, watch this game. Okay, Tar Heels are, hold on, they're, they're, they're only up three? They, they, they lost that lead in two minutes that quick? All right, cool, cool, cool. All right, I trust Roy Williams. I trust, I trust him. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Cole Anthony's hurt. So it was an up and down roller coaster season, a lot of L's, a lot of losses, way more than what any Tar Heel fan would be thinking. So... With that, that kind of turned me off from watching college basketball, not because the basketball was bad from everybody else around college basketball, but because of that one team there in, in North Carolina, well, their basketball was bad. And when their basketball is bad, that changed my mindset about watching anybody else play basketball. Well, you're going to find that Jay is going to watch a lot of college basketball this year, a whole lot, not just because of North Carolina being better, but because... Th- Basketball is my sport. I, I love this. I like college basketball more than the NBA. I like college I like college sports more than professional. So if I can get my basketball and my college sports at the same time in a time period where my desire to watch sports is higher than normal, hey baby, 
I'm going to watch it, and I hope you do too. The AP All-American preseason basketball team goes as follows. The first thing I'm going to mention, you all will know and not be surprised. Uh, senior Luke Garza of Iowa, Jared ba Jared Butler of Baylor, they, both seniors, made the AP uh, All-America team, preseason All-America team. The other people that rounded out that five, Ayo Dussamnu of Illinois, I think I botched his name, Gonzaga senior Corey Kispert and Arizona State senior Remy Martin, who actually I was able to watch play in high school. Uh, and little, little man, when I saw that name, Remy Martin, I said, hey, man, uh, uh, I know that could be somebody's favorite drink, but I'm not sure if Remy with the last name Martin is a proper thing to name a child, but hey, you, you recognize him, you recognize him on the court, and you put the connection. Oh, Remy Martin. Oh, Arizona State. Oh, look at him. That all goes together, and goofy names do help us remember people. Then ultimately, that th this grouping is rounded out with freshman guard Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State. I'm excited. I hope you are too. Get your popcorn ready. There's going to be a lot of good basketball coming up this year. <laughs> and your boy can't wait. Let's go ahead and take a trip to Indianapolis, Indiana to talk about why I think Indianapolis is the perfect place to host the entire NCAA tournament. With the way that 2020 has gone, many people were wondering, how in the world are you going to have an NCAA tournament in all these spots, all these states and cities from coast to coast in the country? People testing positive and with many people in high-ranking positions saying a bubble needs to happen for these college athletes to have a tournament and to have it be done properly and for it to be completed, not halted, before it starts, like last year, the thought of having a the tournament played in one location has been on the table. Well, it came out almost about a week ago now that the NCAA was thinking about putting the tournament in one centralized location. And of course, with Indianapolis being the host city for the Final Four this year with for this season in 2021 with Indianapolis being the headquarters for the NCAA, it sure seemed like Indianapolis was going to be the perfect spot for this type of tournament. There are reasons around why that are outside of basketball that make Indianapolis in many people's eyes that are around the national media that travel around to all these big events. They go to Indianapolis and say, well, this makes sense. Let's make this happen. It's better for the NCAA. Let's travel for them. It's better for the city of Indianapolis. It's better for college basketball to go to a place that can hold and host this type of tournament. Indianapolis seems like the perfect fit to a lot of people. And well, to me, it makes a lot of sense as to why Indianapolis is a perfect fit for this type of event. Indianapolis, Indiana. Have you been there? Probably not. A lot of people have not been to Indianapolis. And well, I can't blame you. If you're from LA, why go to Indy? If I live in Florida, why go to Indy? If I live in Texas, why... You get, you get the point. Indianapolis is a place that a lot of people have not been. So when they hear about Indianapolis, Indiana, they think, oh, wow, a basketball state? Cool. What's there? Corn. So why would they move a big, gigantic tournament from all across the country to hurt those other places, which is not really hurting them. I mean, it would be, but you get the gist. Why would they move the tournament from all these other places to go to Indianapolis? 
When while Indianapolis, will they will the restaurants be open? Will hotels be open? Will they be able, be able to accommodate all the athletes, the teams, the coaches, the players, members of the media? Because we all know, as we have seen during college college football, with everything going on, with all of the hoopla, and with everybody going crazy, and with everybody looking around and saying, uh, we can't travel, we can't travel, you shouldn't travel. I have seen media members travel to games from all across the country. There have been broadcasters traveling across the ga- across the country. I've actually noticed, I don't know if you've noticed this, there are quarantine rules and regulations based off if you come to this state you ha- and you go somewhere else, you have to quarantine for 14, for 14 days. I have noticed that does the the main the big networks they're not following that they want you and I to follow that but they're not following that at all so it makes you wonder what's going on behind the scenes that makes Indianapolis a spot that makes even the ability to go out and to say we're going to have all these teams 68 teams in one centralized location Indianapolis downtown it seems like the ideal place I hear about hear about this from people all the time and I see you have as well the travel around downtown Indianapolis everything is right there you don't have to go you don't have to drive all all over the place to get from one spot to the next everything's there you could walk in downtown Indianapolis no reason no reason to rent a car there's plenty of hotels for people down in downtown Indianapolis Indianapolis hosts numerous numerous not just sporting events downtown but also conventions as well so Indianapolis seems like the perfect spot. And as I was on Facebook, I'm rarely on Facebook, not a big fan of that site. But as I was on Facebook, shortly after it got announced, Indianapolis may be the spot to host the NCAA tournament in March. People were talking about what all of these high school gyms in Indiana that could host the NCAA tournament. Oh, this school could host the game, or this school could host the round, or that school could host the round. One quick side note about that, and I'll go about I'll go into detail about why people are saying that very thing about Indianapolis high school gyms could host the could hold rounds of the tournament. The high school gym is not as long as the college or professional gym. 84 feet for high school, 94 feet for college. So when you think about the just very dimensions of a basketball court, the high school gym cannot host that. But you may be saying, Jay, why in the world would they thought high school gyms? Why in the world would they say this gym could host it or that gym could host it or that gym there could host it? Well, if you have not heard anything about Indiana High School basketball gymnasiums and the size of them, you will probably be thinking that they're crazy. I have a list here on the internet that that has the a list of the top gymnasiums by capacity in the country, not just in Indiana, but in the country. It's a list of the top 12. Only one of them is from it's from outside of the state of Indiana. That is in Texas. Alfred J. Luce Fieldhouse in Dallas seats 7,500 people. I'm going to go from 12 to 1. I've actually been to a lot of these gyms, actually. Kind of weird to say that. I've been to a lot of these gyms, and you're going to see high school basketball is not only different in Indiana. The size of the gymnasiums is different as well. Southport Fieldhouse, number 12, seats 7,100 people. Lafayette Jeff High School Gym seats 7,200 people. I think it's closer to 75. I've been to when it's almost been packed out. <laughs> yeah, it's almost up to 75. Uh, Gary Westside High School, over 7,200. Michigan City, right there near Gary, 7,300. Elkhart, 
right there near, near Gary, 7,300. Uh, Seven is one in Dallas, and you got Marion High School, see, 7,500, the school that Zach Randolph went to. Uh, yeah, Muncie High School, Muncie Fieldhouse, 7,600. Richmond Tierney Center, which I was there before they re renovated it, 7,800 people. Newcastle Fieldhouse says 7,800. At one time, it said 9,000. So it could see, I don't know where the discrepancy and where everything fell, fell off. And then East Chicago, right there near Gary, a little over 8,000. And then also Seymour Gymnasium in Seymour, Indiana, over 8,200 seats, people there in the gymnasium. I've been there and Seymour has been sold out. Oh my goodness, for a basketball fan, if you're just a fan of basketball, that had to be high school, but just good basketball play in the tournament, go there to Seymour, Indiana, make the trip, you will not be disappointed. But as I said, I went through all that to just give a little background in the history of high school basketball. I, My old high school, my, my former high school, the gym, I think before they renovated the gymnasium, used to sit at, I think, at least 5,000 to 5,500. Uh, there's other schools in rural towns in Indiana, Washington High School. I believe that seats over 7,000. I know there's a school in small town Indiana that seats like 4,000. I mean, these small towns, they all come out. So big gymnasiums in Indiana, they're perfect. But you can't utilize them for a tournament such as this. So why Indiana? You have Lucas Oil Stadium, which will be the site for the Final Four, unless they relocate for a smaller venue, Bankers Life Fieldhouse, where the Patriots play. You have University of Indianapolis, Nickerson Hall. You have Marion University, which is in downtown Indianapolis. You have Assembly Hall in Bloomington, about an hour drive. West Lafayette in in, in Lafayette, I mean, Purdue and West Lafayette, Indiana, about an hour drive. If you want to go an hour west, you can go to Indiana State. We all know that school where Larry Bird went to play. You could go to St. Francis up in Fort Wayne, about two-hour drive. You, there's schools all around. There's Wabash. There's DePaul. There are schools all around that colleges could go to and play a round or two. Now, you go to smaller towns like Wabash or DePaul where they're playing, where they're playing those are colleges, D3 schools. They might not be able to host and to hold the amount of people that'll be there for that round of the tournament. Central Indiana. You can play, you go ahead, you go ahead and play games like AAU style. 8 a.m. all the way till late at night. Clean everything up. Come right back again the next day. It'll be long days. Very, very, very long days. You'll have broadcast crews or probably a couple broadcast crews in Indianapolis at each site. If they go from 8 a.m. all the way till midnight. CBS, TNT, Turner, and True TV, they will love it. The coverage from beginning when people wake up all the way till it's dark, 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 pitch black outside. They'll love it. Indianapolis, the perfect spot to meet to host this style of tournament. I know, and I do believe, the NCAA needs this tournament. But without having it last year, they lost a lot of money. A lot of money. So, yes, they're going to try and propel to keep the season going, to get a tournament. Hey, if you don't get 68 teams that are going to be able to play, hey, get as many as you can. Come to Indianapolis. Play that thing. It'll be great for you, and it'll be great for the people in Indianapolis, and it'll be great for college basketball fans like you and I to be able to enjoy a tournament such as this. Plutus Sports Analytics is a company based on minimizing the uncertainty in sports betting to help you maximize your profit. New Finland's first sports analytics team provides daily predictions for all major league sports so you can win big. Whether you want to hit MLB picks, 
out of the park or get a slam dunk on your NBA betting tickets, Plutus is a company of choice. Head to PlutusSportsAnalytics.com. That is P-L-U-T-U-S Sports analytics.com and use promo code JSP10 for 10% off their deadly service. With the NFL season being just over halfway done, you're getting to the point where you're going to start figuring out what teams are more contenders, who's going to be starting to vie and try to fight for the final playoff spots, that number one seed, which I know down the stretch, that'll bring a lot more competition than we have seen in recent years with more teams trying to get that one spot that, well, they weren't trying to get before because there's always that second buy you could get. Not just the one seed got a buy, but also the second. You also get teams on the back half trying to get that extra wild card spot, an extra seed, an extra position, an extra team in the NFL playoffs this year versus last year or previous years. Honestly, it's going to be a, a lot of fun to watch down the stretch. And a team that I believe that you, NFL fan, or you, someone that's trying to get into the NFL, should keep your eye on If Maybe you're not watching them already. The Indianapolis Colts. Another team, not just trying to make it Indianapolis Day, but it makes sense when you think about what's going on in sports right now. The Indianapolis Colts continue to improve and show they can be a really good team. And what they did this past Sunday... Just today, as I'm recording this, what they did where they were able to overcome 28 points put up by the Green Bay Packers and then hold the Packers offense and team to only scoring three points in the second half and overtimes combined down 14 in the third quarter, came back, came all the way back. And then hot rod Rodrigo Blankenship with the game winner, walk, game winning walk off field goal kick in overtime. This team is is elite and there are a few reasons why i can't go through all of them we don't have enough time but there are a few reasons why i believe you and myself and other people that watch nfl football should keep our eyes on the indianapolis colts number one they got a veteran at quarterback named philip rivers you may say philip rivers is old 17 17th year in the nfl you may say philip rivers throwing style is off it's wacky you can't win with that okay it is off it's wacky, and he continues to show people that despite whatever people may say, that his arm being wacky is not a problem with him, and he continues to get better. Oh, here's another reason that some people, I I think you should keep your eye on them. They don't have a true number one receiver. They're wide receiver by committee, and nobody gets upset when they don't get the ball. Very weird, isn't it? You, you may think Indianapolis Colts, there's T.Y. Hilton. What's T.Y. Hilton doing? He is not playing like the T.Y. Hilton that Colts fans grew to watch, grew to uh, see play all the time. Andrew Luck not there. It seems like T.Y. Hilton's a different player. Honestly, I don't think he's truly able to get back to the ability and play it the way that he used to simply because of the wear and tear on his body. He's getting up there in his early 30s and, well, he can't, he, he can't get open. He's going to struggle to get the ball. We're finding that for T.Y. Hilton this year. Another reason. They're slowly figuring out how to run the ball. Marlon Mack, starting running back for the Colts, goes down week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jonathan Taylor, former running back at Wisconsin, phenomenal guy in college, didn't have a preseason to figure out what was going to happen when he got on the NFL field. 
he started, we started to find that he needed reps. He needed more reps, not just practice reps, but game reps. And the more he has gotten, the more he has seen, the more the O-line is figuring out what works for him, and they're doing things that work well for him and for them. Hey, Jonathan Taylor running the ball, Naheem, Naheem Hines being a scat back or H-back or slot receiver that the Colts need. George Wilkins, a former running back out of Ole Miss doing what is needed as a running back by committee to keep this ball rolling. The offensive line slowly getting back to who they used to be, but they did have eight or nine penalties in the game this past Saturday or Sunday. I didn't count them. I do. I heard on the post-game show via the Indianapolis Colts that it was eight penalties. I did hear on the broadcast, I, I believe Joe Buck put this out, that there were nine penalties. So eight or nine doesn't matter. Not acceptable. Way too many holding penalties, especially down the stretch. You don't expect for your starting left guard, your all-pro left guard, Quentin Nelson, to have holding penalties at any time, especially in crucial moments during the game. But he had some. I know Braden Smith had some. I mean, it was just everybody. Oh, you want a holding call? Who? Here you go. You want a holding penalty? Oh, cool. Here you go. Another reason that I believe you and I should keep our eyes on the Indianapolis Colts it's simply because this defense is one of the best, if not the best, in the league. Show me a weakness on the Colts' defense. I'm sure you've watched NFL football. I'm sure they may have played one of your favorite teams, or you have watched them play. There was a night football a couple Thursdays ago. You may have watched that matchup against the Titans. This past Sunday on Fox, America's Game of the Week, that was what in the Fox brands that game every week when Joe Buck and Troy Aikman are on the call. You may have watched that game when they played just today or yesterday. Now, when you're listening to this, when they played the Packers, where's the weakness of the Colts? You can say, Jay, the first half was not very good. Okay, yes, I understand that. But the Packers have a quarterback who's a future Hall of Famer who finds ways to pick apart defenses. If you're going to run the same defense against him over and over and over and over again, he's going to find the hole and exploit it. So that's expected. But where's the hole? Front, the front four? Is it the linebackers? Is it the DBs? I don't know. Another reason why I think that they're going to be good, and I'll close it out with this, they have four rookies that are very prominent, that are going to be on an all-rookie team. One may win defensive rookie def, uh, defensive rookie of the year. They got Jonathan Taylor running back. Phenomenal. Michael Pittman, Michael Pittman Jr. was on IR early in the season, continues to get better. Julian Blackman, former safety from Utah, now, I remember watching him at Utah, watching him watching him in college. I didn't realize that was who the Colts got. And then I didn't realize that young man was going to be this good. Once Malik Hooker went down, I didn't realize he was going to find his way to be a big key piece for this defense. And then Mr. Rodrigo Blankenship, Hot Rod, Mr. Respect the Specs. You got to do it. Big leg, big kick, big boom, big score. Colts win. Beat the Packers, improve to 7-3, and three, and continue to be the leader in the AFC South. Big matchup this coming Sunday against the Tennessee Titans. Watch it. Be ready for it. Hoo-wee. Guys, I'm excited. I, I, I'm happy about for the Colts, happy for what this team has gone through. And I truly believe, keep your eyes on them. Earlier before the season, I mentioned it here on the podcast. Watch out for the Colts. They're going to surprise some people. Early in the season, they didn't surprise many people. But the surprise will come down the road, down this home stretch, the back stretch, whatever you want to call this part of the season. Watch it, guys. Third quarter. That's what I call it. Watch it. The Colts will continue to make noise. 
undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers. They host the Colts in December. That'll probably be a snow game. And honestly, with as good as that Steelers defense is, this Colts defense will probably be chomping at the bit when they see snow in the forecast and say, ooh-wee, we can muck this thing up. We can make it dirty. We can rough them up and enjoy this type of football and football weather. Hey, Pittsburgh, y'all thrive during that in that type of weather. This Colts defense probably will as well. As we discuss a matchup in December in the NFL that we believe will happen there was a matchup this past Saturday between Clemson and Florida State that did not happen. The game was canceled due to a positive COVID-19 test. Not 20, not 30, not 40, but one. And as we know with this virus, the way that it spreads, there's a possibility of it spreading quickly, swiftly. There's a possibility of it not spreading at all. There are conferences, every conference in college football has protocol set in place for you to follow, for you to say, hey, this game should go on, this game should be halted. They have protocol set in place for the situation that went on prior to the Clemson-Florida State game being canceled. Pete Thamel, I believe he's of Yahoo Sports, put this tweet out. And I'm just going to read it verbatim for you so we get the gist of what was told to him. Quote, sources. A Clemson backup offensive lineman tested positive for COVID-19 from a test taken Friday. They received the results after Clemson landed in Tallahassee. The player traveled with the team. FSU officials weren't comfortable playing because of potential spread, end quote. This reminds me of a similar situation, not where it was a player testing positive the day before, but still traveling with the team. But this was reminds me of a situation where Maryland football, they canceled the Ohio State game and the Michigan State's game, State games because of players testing positive. The amount of the number of people that tested positive before the Maryland, the Ohio State game was eight, eight student athletes. The number of people that tested positive before the Michigan State game, 22. 15 players, seven members of the staff, one being head coach Mike Loxley. So with that situation, I know before the Ohio State game, under Big Ten protocols, they could have still played the game. But they saw fit to cancel a game, which is what we have seen all throughout college football this season. There have been people that could have played and followed the guidelines that the conference has put in place, but they say no, they don't want to play. And there have been people that they have people test positive and keep on going with the game. I think this past weekend, there was one school that had only 53 scholarship players that were eligible to play that week due to injury slash testing positive for the virus, et cetera, et cetera. Everything's different. Nothing is unison. That's college football. We've grown to some like it, some don't like it. I know in the, in the Pac-12 country, the Pac-12 just announced that teams can schedule out-of-conference games, out-of-conference opponents if that other school has an opening that same week so they could fill in a hole or a void due to a cancellation. The Big Ten has not caved or given in due to pressure when games are being canceled, when games could be rescheduled, when there is a team that a team wants to play during that same week. The Big Ten has not caved at all on what the announcement that they made and the decision that they made early 
in the season. In regards to the Ohio Ohio State, Florida State, Clemson game this past week that was canceled, Dabble Sweeney was upset. Dabble Sweeney was not happy. He said, hey, we were ready. We were ready to go. Florida State officials, the medical staff, this was on them. I don't know what went on during those discussions. I venture to say it was a very heated debate, a heated conversation because you travel down from Clemson to Tallahassee to play a game that all of a sudden you tell them, we're not playing. Um, sorry, guys. Uh, we're not playing. Why? One person test positive. You say, hold on, what? Excuse me? One person tested positive. So we're not playing because we don't feel comfortable moving forward with the game. That's going to bring a lot of hoop. That's going to bring a lot of attention, a lot of backlash, a lot of people saying, oh, oh, Florida State, you're right. You shouldn't play at all. If it's one person that's out there testing positive, you shouldn't play. You're going to get people that are on this side that say, well, it's okay. Go ahead and play the game, man. Go ahead and play the game. Protocol is there. Go play the game. Treat that one positive like an injury and go play that game. Go do your thing. Go do it. But you know, that's not the way things work in 2020. That's not the way things work at all. People are all on edge I'm not trying to put you on edge. I'm just putting the story out there. You may fall on the side of Florida State. You may fall on the side of Clemson. As an athlete, a former athlete, I would always want to play. And sometimes when I want to play, the adults in the room have to keep me from playing. But also at the same time, sometimes the adults in the room don't make wise decisions. And it comes back to hurt them or bite them in the end. We're going to see more of this down the road. Guarantee. My fear, I hope it doesn't happen. Championship week. Week of a big rivalry game. You can't play. Team can't play because of one positive test. I'm going to leave it at that. You guys can utilize it, this info and formulate your own opinion. Thank you for listening to another episode of the J. Stevens Podcast. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jstevens07. You can also send all of your emails to jtalksports at gmail.com. That's correct. Rebranding an email for all of my sports stuff, jtalksports at gmail.com. Remember to always subscribe, rate, and review. It's a great way for people that are searching for new podcasts to listen to to come across this one. Then remember to always get the word out about the podcast via word of mouth. The things that we enjoy in life, we are more willing and somewhat wired to tell other people about. So no matter if this was your first episode or if you have been listening since episode number one, be sure to people know about the podcast. This has been episode 154 of the Jason Podcast. I will see you next time. <laughs>